everyone, and welcome to EduMatch. So thank you so much for joining us. So this week, we have a very, very special topic from a very, very special moderator and some very, very special panelists. So we're going to have everyone introduce themselves. So we're going to start from my right to left. We're going to skip over our moderator in the middle, Mandy, and we'll bring it back to her at the end. So if we could kick things off with intros, uh, beginning with Rodney. I'm Rodney Turner. Um, we didn't talk about how we're going to introduce yourself, but I'm also known as Techie Turner. I live here in New Jersey, brave in the cold. Woo woo. Well, it's great to have you here on the East Coast. So welcome, welcome, and great to have you here on Edge Match. Great. Next up, we have Rochelle. All right. I'm Rochelle Denae Post. I teach uh, Spanish and STEAM in Pittsburgh, also on the East Coast, not quite as cold. Um, very excited to have Rodney on the East Coast with me. Uh, and part of this panel tonight is going to be awesome. So thank you so much. Glad to have you here, Rochelle. All right. So we're going to skip over our, Amanda, our, our moderator, Mandy, <laughs> and we will go next to Jen. I am Jennifer Cassett Todd. I am a teacher librarian and author of Social Media, and I am East, but I am in Canada. So um, I know you've all been enjoying a, a beautiful Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great one. And uh, I'm just excited to be here on panel um, with these special moderators or these special guests and Mandy, super moderator. Awesome. Great to have you here on Sweet and Talk. So welcome back, Jen. And next up, we have Evan. Good afternoon, everybody, or evening at this point. Uh, my name is Evan Abramson. I'm the director of technology in the Milburn Township Public Schools in New Jersey as well. So I'm glad to be on the East Coast with Rodney, Rochelle, and Jen. So uh, I'm super excited to be here and be, be involved in the chat tonight. So thank you guys for having me as well. Well, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to EduMatch, Evan. All right, and last and certainly not least, we have our phenomenal moderator. Y'all know her, y'all love her, Mandy Fralick. So Mandy, if you could please introduce yourself and then take it away. Sure, um, so my name is Mandy Fralick and I am a Director of Innovation and Technology for my day job. And I am also the author of uh, The Fire Within and Divergent EDU. So I'm excited to be moderating here tonight. I am from Wisconsin, where it's currently like a balmy 25 degrees. Um, and so I feel like Jen is the only one who can actually like feel me on this one because all the rest of you guys in Jersey, you think it's cold when it's like 60. So, um, <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm going to get on to the questions about divergent EDU and divergent teaching. So the first one for you guys is, um, I developed the definition of a divergent teacher using the psychological definition of divergence. Um, and this is how I define uh, a divergent teacher. And I'm going to put this on my screen very quickly. So divergent teaching is the ability to recognize our own assumptions, look for limitations, and challenge our own thinking in regards to teaching and learning. It's taking an idea and creating new thinking that will facilitate student learning in new innovative directions for deeper understanding. It is diverging from the norm challenging current ideas, looking for a variety of solutions and a willingness to learn from failure and grow. And so my question for you is, um, what part of the definition speaks to you the most? One of the things that I really, really love about that definition is the notion of identifying our own assumptions um, in and, and recognizing where our limitations are. Because ultimately, we, you know, at the front of the room or in the middle of the room, wherever it is that we're facilitating learning for kids and for each other, if we don't recognize our own assumptions and, and, and really look at the way in which um, we're impacting learning or how learning is impacted by what we know or think we know, then we're not really going to, to be of service to our students, if that makes sense. It does. Thank you. The, the part that speaks to me is, is when we're talking about uh, diverging from the norm and challenging current ideas, because I think that education has fallen into a, a pattern or um, a, a lot of just key words that people will just focus on the words, the words, the words, as opposed to necessarily the individual child. And I think teaching is either back in the 90s, it's been the same, or it's been so far out there and somewhere else that that. I feel like we have our, our group of teachers, a group of educators that have the ability to, with so many tools available to them now, to just go so far off the beaten path and try something different that could really have a better impact on, on uh, student learning. 
than really what we've done in the past. So for me, that's really what, what resonates with me the best. So Thank you. I'll, I'll go next. Uh, the part that resonates with me the most is the fact that looking for limitations and um, challenging our, our own thinking regarding teaching and learning. One of the things that I feel I've gotten stuck in, in the fact is that there's a box. <laughs> We've heard this before. There's a box and we get stuck inside that box. But that box is only what we have inside of ourselves, our own limitations, our own filters, our own lenses that we see things through. If we take those lenses off, we are going to be able to see things differently. We're going to be able to see them through other people's eyes because we're going to take the time to take it off and then put on other lenses that other people are seeing, um, especially our students. I think that is the filter and the lens that we have to see things through. I think that that is the part, uh, my favorite part of the divergent teaching um definition is the challenging our own assumptions and limitations because I think sometimes we we see limitations but are like are they really limitations or are we just seeing them that way is are we just per perceiving them that way so I think it's really important um you know that we that we check those at the door especially like Jen said when it's affecting uh, student learning, we really need to figure out, is it is it just an assumption that we're making? Um, is it an assumption that students can't do something? I hear that a lot um, from both teachers and administrators. Well, we don't do X because students can't do it. Are we sure about that? Um, so I think that that is a, a really important, important part. You are listening to EduMatch. My name is Brian Kulak, and I'm the proud author of Level Up Leadership, Advance Your Edu Game, available now on Amazon. Using the gaming industry as a backdrop, the book challenges readers to consider teaching and their leadership as part of an ever-changing game for which they are the heroes. But like Super Mario or Lara Croft, sometimes we all just need to level up. Combining research, anecdotes, and practical strategies, the book provides readers with the necessary tools to take the next step in their leadership journey. From bosses and walkthroughs to controllers and high scores, Level Up Leadership offers a fresh perspective for new and veteran leaders alike. So the question is, are you ready to level up? Order your copy on Amazon today. Thanks. Thank you for learning and growing with EduMatch. Uh, so using the same definition, what things would you imagine a divergent teacher doing in the classroom and how would their thinking differ from somebody who's still working on their own divergence? Am I the only one here on panel that's actually in the classroom teaching right now? Uh, yeah. Jen teaches. I mean, Jen, Jen teaches. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's right. Um, so for that one, like for me, for years, um, I was just like teaching the way I was taught. I, I thought I had to stand in the front of the classroom. I had to give homework. I had to use the book. I had to cover the whole book. You name it. I just thought that that's what I had to do. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, like I just, I remember reaching out to probably all of you and then some like these students are not engaged and they're bored and just like, I couldn't, it just didn't feel right. And so then last year I just, I got rid of the rows and I stopped giving the homework and I tried doing things so differently that were, um, it was really uncomfortable for me, but I found when I broke away from like feeling like I had to, that there was some rule written somewhere, or unwritten rule. And I could just be kind of like myself and, um, you know, do things just because I thought that they were the best for the students, not because I needed to cover them because they were in the curriculum. Uh, and I, I finally started to see like, I wasn't teaching the class, I was teaching the students and every single student needed me to move around and be with them. And while it's completely exhausting on most days, it's absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, I've even had students come into my room and say, you know what, I just love, I love being in here. It's so different this year. And I didn't ask them for feedback. They just came and just talked about like, what was different about it. And of course, then I engaged them and said, well, what do you like? And they said, well, you, you don't do this like every other class. You don't do this like every other teacher or something like that. Uh, so I thought that was kind of like, it gave me the inspiration, motivation to kind of keep moving in that direction, uh, even though it's still sometimes uncomfortable. But uh, diverging doesn't necessarily mean bad. I think a lot of times people think, oh, well, you're, you're breaking away from what's the norm. And I mean, yeah, that can be bad. But in some cases, it's not. It's necessary to do that. So I, I've seen such great success uh, with a lot of struggle, of course, because nothing ever comes easy. 
um, or it shouldn't because we're learning. But um, I think that it's really beneficial when you do break from that that mold or how you think you have to do things. Okay, I'm done. So, Rochelle, would you? I got. I have a follow up question. Um, would you say? <laughs> would you say that um, being a divergent teacher has made you more engaged as well? Yes, because and and as I've been writing. <laughs> Like in all of these different formats, trying to think where I wrote something down, um, it, it pushes you to think a lot. And I, I got away from being myself and I've always been different. And I've heard teachers say, well, I don't think I don't think I can do this job. I'm too different. I'm like, you say that like it's a bad thing. You know, well, I'm not following procedures. So I do feel like there was a period of time where like I wasn't in love with the job of teaching, but I was looking at it as a job and not like just like, it's fun. Like, I like to be there. I like to be with the students. And so I definitely feel like, like I go to bed at night. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to go to school tomorrow. I mean, when I get up, it's a different story for a little bit, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it really has. So I was kind of disengaged for a while and it took doing just throwing caution to the wind and like hoping for the best and saying to the kids sometimes, you know what, I didn't really go that well. And oh, well, you know, try again, but yeah, absolutely. And just to jump on up on that, I, I love what you were saying about how you tried something different, Rochelle, um, and then you see it working and that invigorates you. But I think part of, um, for me, reaching out to PLN, I mean, so, so many people on this panel are people that I use as a soundboard, or if I say I'm thinking about this, what do you think? Being able to, um, to recognize that sometimes not everything you need is within the building, um, right? If you do feel very strange or, or a bit like an outlier, you know, you can, that, that can really bring you down, um, you know, particularly if there's an administrator where you don't, you know, you're not feeling supported to be able to seek support in other ways because you know ultimately how important it is um, to bring in those experiences um, to your kids right and so so for me that's been a huge thing as well not just um, not just recognizing I need to do something differently here because this is not working but also having um, a, a support group, a PLN, with which I could sort of say, be reflective um, and think about, you know, this worked, you know, what could I do differently? Because when you get there, you realize when you, 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 you talk to other people, you realize I'm struggling as but they are too. Um, and then they found success doing this. And maybe that will work for me. And then right. And then when it does to, to be able to reflect on that and celebrate with others is really cool, too. Yeah, I totally agree. I always say I would never be, um, yeah, I'm almost, I'm only as strong as the people I surround myself with. And I mean, virtually as well. And, you know, I've been in schools where the climate hasn't been the greatest and the culture's been very weak and people are um, okay with mediocr mediocrity. Mediocrity? Can I say that word? <laughs> Um, they're okay with that. And, uh, and those, those weren't always necessarily the people I wanted to surround myself with, you know? And, um, so yeah, I, I totally and completely agree. The, um, the entire basis for everything I do is my PLN, um, because it's those, you know, it's those relationships, but not only the deep relationships, but the kind of relationships that when you need people at a certain time in a day, um, unbeknownst to them and you say can you guys jump on for me everyone's like yeah I can jump on for you and I will talk to you and, and we'll we'll get through this together so it's those kinds of things that I need I need those people for um some comments that uh some YouTube live participants have made are uh, Valerie said a divergent teacher is truly meeting the needs of students differentiation is happening um quality strategies Feedback, assessments, and choice in how they demonstrate mastery would be visible. Also, Laura said that divergent teacher um, definitely breaks away from it's always been done this way and moves towards what if, uh, a what if mode of thinking. So pushing boundaries of what we can do. Um, so that's, that's awesome. Thank you guys for participating. I definitely agree with that. Does anybody else have anything for question two? I have one more thing to add. <laughs> Imagine that, right? No. <laughs> that's great. No, uh, just because I dropped a link about this chat into, and Laura was one that I sent it to, but uh, shout outs to like PLN, like you said, you know, you can count on people and reach out to them. Um, I think that, and Jen, I think it was you that said about like sharing the story and the struggles. Um, 
one of the powerful things about doing things like this or having Boxer or Twitter or whatever and having that PLN is that like you can share your stories because I think a lot of the time teachers might be afraid to try something different because they think they're the only one doing it and that it might be wrong. Or if they try it and they, it doesn't go well, they're like, okay, it didn't go well and they don't branch out. So um, I had to give a shout out to Laura because she has been like on there all the time in the last, especially the last the last week as I've been running through things in my mind too. And all of you, of course. So that's all, I'm done. <laughs> all right, anybody else? Can I say something? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I definitely think about a divergent teacher in the classroom doing things is looking at things and doing them differently, just as um, Rochelle and Jennifer said. And that, I, th I think one, I think it was Rochelle said, no, anyway, it doesn't matter. One of them said, meeting things at the door. And that was one of the things that I did specifically. I heard about this crazy thing about greeting your kids at the door and not letting them come in until they say hi or hello. And just starting off of, hey, what do they look like? And how are they going to be? I couldn't tell you how many times I had a student stop and say, Mr. Turner, I want to talk to you before we get started. It's like, okay, no problem. Let me, let me get these kids in and going and we'll be good. So they would stand outside the door and they would talk. They would talk to me and say, hey, I really had a bad night or something happened. It's like, okay, let's work through this. And then I would take that information and pass it on to the rest of the teachers to let them know what was going on. And so many times their kids were like, so much better throughout the day. And to me, that was a divergence because it was completely different, but yet it started off in such a way that it was innocuous. It was an idea I had received and it started spreading the next year. The principal's like, everyone's going to greet every kid at the door. And I'm like, why are you forcing it? It should be genuine, but you know what? Just going to let that be. And just as that year went on, there was much more conversations with kids. There wasn't as many um, suspensions. There weren't as many um, of issues and things like that. So I, I really did appreciate that I'd gotten these ideas from that idea specifically from a PLN and I went ahead and used it in my classroom. And I think that was a, a huge turning point. So the answer to the second question, how would the thinking be different I think it's different because they are not working through the mechanics of teaching or the mechanics of trying to figure out something different. That's, they've got that down. They're now working on making themselves better to be able to bring in additional ideas and to find out where their flow is. So that way their kids will be able to be successful. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, too, um, a really important point of what you said and kind of what we've all said is that, um, you know, divergence, like innovation, is not has nothing to do with technology. Um, you know, a lot of times people say, well, we're super innovative because we have all these devices. Um, nope, that really has nothing to do with it. It's the way that you're using them. Um, and even even divergence really has nothing to do with uh, technology. You can be very divergent in your thinking without picking up a computer. Um, so, uh, and and so, you know, one of, um, so just uh, Jessica on Twitter just said, what sticks out to me is that we recognize our own assumptions as teachers. I feel many people claim they do not make assumptions. However, in my opinion, everyone needs to realize that everyone makes assumptions and we must recognize these to become our understanding. And, um, and absolutely, because we all have assumptions and biases. You can't make those go away. Um, you know, our own stories uh, we've grown up has, um, you know, any experiences we've had that have nothing to do with teaching have created assumptions and biases. And, and there's nothing we can do about that except recognize them and make sure that we're not allowing them to change the way that we teach or we think or we act. So um, I think that that is... Uh, a really important point. <laughs> Go ahead. One more thing I wanted, two more things I wanted to say. One, um, my, one of my school, one of my years, I had to teach a five, six combination. 
And then the latter half of the year, well, that entire year, the principal's like, you're going to get a smart board. You're going to get a smart board. Don't worry, you're going to get a smart board. So I've been teaching and formulating, trying to figure out how I'm going to do it. And she said, you know what? Just teach those fifth graders as sixth graders. And I thought about it and I said, no, I can't do that. I said, because they need to, they can't miss out on their fifth grade uh, foundational skills. They have to use them to be able to go on sixth grade. So that's what I did. I had my fifth graders and then I cycled my day to have my small groups and then I had my sixth graders for their different subjects. So I did a lot of different things that year, but once we got the smart board, let me tell you, it was an additional tool that I had and that I used in the classroom. So at the end of the year, I'm gonna jump to the end of the year, the teacher's like, the principal's like, wow, your scores were like off the charts. It was really amazing. That smart board did a lot. And I went, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> that was me. And that was my students. It was the culture that we had created. It wasn't the smart board, it was the tools. It was great to have that tool, but I figured out how to do it without that tool. It just made it more convenient. So that way, if a student said, hey, I don't remember what was going on, it's like, look at the board, it's there. So it, it was it was really great. The second thing I wanted to go ahead and jump in on was the fact that we have, um, just the fact that we, nope, sorry, I already made my two points. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yes, that is, that is so true and that is a great point. Okay, anybody else? So for, for me, just to add on top of, of what everybody else said real quickly is the fact that I think divergent teaching doesn't necessarily have to mean you are the cool, super cool teacher that's their best friend, that's a student best friend. I think that I think a lot of teachers that are that are from the old school uh, view that as a separate way of teaching as, oh, they're just trying to be friends with them. They're just trying to, to really associate them. You know, a, a new teacher, uh, a veteran teacher can't really be that way. And I feel like some of my best teachers that I work with now or the most divergent teachers are, are my veteran teachers who have gone on and tried just something different because they know where they have to get to. They can just think about all the different ways that they really might be able to take time and, and, and really affect the student in a specific way. So I think that there's, I just want to make that clarification because a lot of times teachers say, well, I've been doing it. I've been doing it so long this way and it works. Well, that's great. But do we have the, do we really understand the feedback of those students? A year two years later to see if it really worked or if it just worked because they were smart students that you know that happened to score well or, or happened to just understand the lesson so you know for me that was just the the one little small piece you don't have to be a new teacher to do it you could be a veteran teacher who's really you know really uh capable in the classroom and just try something different and, and just try to think about how you can have a better effect on on your individual students yeah absolutely and we all know relationships are key so those have to happen. Uh, that's one thing that has to be happening in a divergent classroom. You are listening to EduMatch. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. It's either now or never to make your dreams come true. You better wake up and pay attention. Hey, everybody, it's Dean from Orlando, Florida, coming to you on Monday, April 2nd, 2018. And I am very excited because today is the official release date of my first solo book titled The Why in You. Journey to the Why in You. I'm very excited that this is available on Amazon in Kindle versions. And in paperback, there's your back cover right there. I am so excited because when I think about my journey as an educator, it didn't start yesterday. It started even from an early age. And so this book contains anecdotes, stories about the why in me. And so as you read it, as you pick it up, and I encourage you to do so, I challenge you to consider the why in you, the obstacles, right? that were not always positive, they were not always easy, the journey's never easy, but it is worth it. And there is something positive in every negative if you, if you can just see it. I really do believe that. There is something positive in every obstacle that if you could just see it, it will help you to continue going on that journey as an educator, as an administrator, as a teacher. Um, and so we have a job to do and 
Um, and so that journey is so important to be embraced. And thank you in advance for checking it out on Amazon. Again, it's the YNU. You can even type my name in on Amazon. It should pop it right up. You can also go to deanganey.com and find it there. Uh, you can click directly on the link and it'll take you to Amazon. Again, thanks in advance for checking it out and have a great day as well as identify the why in you. Now back to more learning on the Edge of Match podcast. There was a question. Stacy had a question. It was, um, does anybody know of self-assessments for divergent versus convergent thinking? And and I I don't. That is a really good question. I do um, I do have, there's a part in Divergent EDU that talks about um, some of the characteristics of a divergent teacher. Um, and I think probably having some sort of self-assessment would be awesome. I could work on something like that. But does anybody else know of? And we're going to be talking about the um, characteristics in a, a minute. But does anybody else know of a, a self-assessment for something like that? I think that's a great project for you, Mandy. Add it <laughs> to your to-do list. I, I really think it would be worthwhile. Um, I'm on it. <laughs> because it's a, because of the power of self-assessment, right? I'm working with students on assessing their own skills. And I think there's something about that metacognition, right? The thinking about thinking, thinking about your learning and then assessing yourself. That is so very, very powerful. So I think it would be a great resource. Yeah, absolutely. I will get working on that. Thanks, Stacy, for the question. Um, okay, so. Uh, the next question we have is Divergent EDU is, is written based on the hierarchy of needs for innovation and divergent thinking that I developed. It's an organizational structure for supporting teachers and being more divergent and innovative. Um, each level is a support for the others, much like the foundational levels of a house. Um, is there a foundational level that stands out to you? And again, I am going to just um, share my screen for one second here. So the hierarchy of needs, the, the bottom foundational level um, is climate and culture. And then again, these are foundational levels. So it's not a gamified type thing. You don't move up the hierarchy, uh, but they're just, they're foundational structures. So climate and culture is on the bottom, uh, then effective leadership, mindset, professional learning, and then innovation and divergent thinking. And then of course, within each level, there's um, additional, um, you know, additional kind of the way that the uh, supports are, some of the ways that the supports can be implemented because goodness knows that if we tried to put everything on here, not everything would fit, but some of them, uh, some of them in there. So is there one that um, speaks to you? For me, the climate and culture being being the foundation is by far, to me, the most important aspect because everything has to be nurtured. And I think nurturing that entire climate to where your teachers are comfortable taking risks. The administrators are actually comfortable watching teachers take risks and not uh, throw it back in their face a little bit when they when they take it and, and it doesn't work. Um, to me, it's, the, it's the, the, the whole foundation of a school system um, where creating that climate, creating that culture of uh, personalization or, you know, for, for the students, but really um, allowing our teachers to have a little um, free reign in, in trying to, in trying new things. And I think when a teacher understands that they can take a risk or feel, feel free, even during an observation, if they wanted to really just go out there and, and do something different, I think that just, you know, it allows the teachers to, to really come up with some, some great things. And then I think it then in turn allows our students to take risks because they see your teachers taking risks. And I, and I know, um, you know, we talk about administration as an administrator, we want to, to develop that culture, but it all starts with, with, I feel like the administrators too, um, because we need to take a deep breath too. And, 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 and really appreciate what our teachers are doing in the classroom and encouraging them to take those risks. I would agree um, with, Evan, I, but to me, I feel like there's an interconnectedness with the climate and culture and effective leadership, right? Because so much of the climate and culture can be impacted by a leader as well. Um, so those two, to me, are just, they're, they're 
I don't want to say they're one and of the same because I do agree in the separation of them, but I do think that one so much. I mean, if you've been in a school where there's there was a leader who didn't trust, like in your thing, where you didn't trust the teachers, you know, didn't smile, didn't really, the P teachers didn't feel supported um, as a result of that leadership, then the climate and culture suffered, obviously, or and um, in in pretty heavy ways. And then uh, that whole teacher disengagement piece is. I be, believe connected to those two pieces as well. Yeah, absolutely. And actually the climate culture um, leadership is the number one uh, change that people ask for in the hierarchy. And, um, but the reason that climate and culture is the base, um, because I went back and forth with those two, like I thought they really could go either way. The reason the climate and culture is the base is because if an effective leader goes into a building with a strong culture and a positive climate, they can work on supporting going up the hierarchy, um, you know, supporting mindset, supporting PD. But if they go into a climate and culture that is negative and like a very weak culture, they're going to spend all their time supporting that. Um, so, yeah, I totally because a leader can make or break the climate and culture in a building, 100%. Um, so it's more about when you're looking at the hierarchy, like what are they supporting on top of that? Um, and for um, an effective leader to really do their job on mindset and professional development and divergent thinking, they have to have that strong climate and culture in there. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. I need to go reread that part in your book <laughs> because it was so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Anybody else? I had the wonderful opportunity to be in two different situations. One was in, well, a couple were in Phoenix and both of them were in Phoenix. But one of the things that I found as far as effective leadership and the that principle that said, hey, we're gonna get you a smart board. We're gonna make sure that you have all the tools that you need necessary a truly effective leader. Um, she made sure that the climate and culture were there and that um, this is how we're going to do things. We're going to do things, but the way that she did them wasn't based upon technology. It was based upon making sure that they're done right. Um, finding the um, necessary um, tools and the instructional strategies um, at that time, we started working on uh, formative, common formative assessments. And so we made those for our math classes. It was great. Um, our school started rocking it, rocking all these different standardized tasks because we were focused on what we needed to do. And all the other schools in our district were like, what are you guys doing? Well, this is what we're doing. Well, we heard about that, but how are you doing it differently? We're sticking to it. So that was truly, truly effective. The other piece though and she was she was constantly walking around the other piece though that um same district different school different time uh but he was also effective the principal was great because he walked around and he's like hey try it let's see what happens um hey well there's a solution so go ahead and find it and use it and it was that time during that time that i took on the i guess you can say the adjunct IT role and took three of the carts. There were two were laptops and PC laptops and the other cart were full of MacBooks, um, iBooks, those little square ones. <laughs> those were like awesome, but they, um, they weren't really working. So I said to my students, let's see what happens. Let's see how, what happens. Let's fix them. And then let's use them in our class. Let me tell you, it changed our culture and it changed our climate and how we did things because they knew I was going to take risks and I wasn't going to be mean or upset about it. And it, it evolved in such a way that when it was time to do like independent work, I had kids transform the room from these well rows and columns into these different lines. And it was, we just transformed it. So that way they were able to be anywhere. I guess you'd say, now that I think about it, it was flexible seating arrangement. They could sit anywhere and do anything that they wanted to do. So that goes right back up to the um, the student empowerment and ownership. We're learners together, and that helped out a lot. But it was especially it was especially useful for me 
because I wasn't getting these ideas from inside my district. We had some professional development and it was okay, but it was the, again, the support from Twitter. It was the support from um, my PLN that I, was, that I was creating. So again, it goes back to making sure that you have a leader that's like, make, make, your, make your mark, take risks. I'm here to support you. If you do something different and you have a reason for it, I'm with you. I'm with you because this is different. I love what you said. And I think, um, you know, we talk about a having a culture of yes a lot. Um, and one important thing that I think that you said in there is that you talk about a leader that has kind of that has your back mentality. Um, but uh, another important part was they have your support when you have the right reasons and you have the kids, you know, uh, best interests at heart and all of those things. Um, sometimes I think um, people misinterpret culture as yes, as you just do whatever you want and I have to be okay with that. Um, but it still does have to follow, uh, you know, certain guidelines of, of um, doing what's best for kids and, and things. So uh, we have that, that discussion uh, specifically from a technology department standpoint, people want to be able to do what they want to do. And sometimes a culture of yes is, is more like a culture of let's see how we can get that to work for you because sometimes what you want to do isn't legal. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I do love that with support with, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Stacy. you hit it on the head, exactly. The Noster model for change management is absolutely mind blowing. And the reason why I say that is because there are so many times, oh, just in case you guys haven't seen it, um, it's, it's awesome. You should just go ahead and Google that because that model for change is something that I took to the um, curriculum instruction department. And I said, okay, where are we? Do we have a resistance? So what's missing? Oh, our incentives are missing. Hey, we're all anxious. So what's going on? We're missing the skills. It was absolutely mind blowing. And they're like, what in the world is going on here? But it was something that I had, had seen and I'm like, okay, this is how we can make change and make it much more effective. So thank you, Stacey, for bringing that up. Oh yeah, I have, I have seen this. Um, I just saw it actually, somebody just introduced me to it. Thank you, Stacey, for bringing that up. I'm definitely going to look <laughs> into it a little further. Um, okay. You are listening to the Edgy Match Podcast. Hello, my name is Mandy Freilich, and my book, The Fire Within, is currently available on Amazon. The Fire Within is a book of uh, stories by educators who have gone through personal and professional adversities and who have come through stronger on the other side. They use their superpowers that they gained with their students in order to be better educators. If this sounds like stories of superheroes, you are absolutely right. There's also a chapter on trauma and how it affects the brain and a chapter covering post-traumatic growth and secondary traumatic stress and how it affects educators in their job. So if you are interested in The Fire Within, you can find it right now on Amazon by searching The Fire Within Lessons from Defeat that have ignited a passion for learning. Thank you. You are listening to the Edgy Match Podcast. So in Divergent EDU, I speak about the characteristics of a divergent teacher in which I developed in collaboration with Elizabeth Bastwick. Um, and here are the um, characteristics to be identified. Deeply reflective, a voracious learner, tenacious, um, a mentor, and courageous. And so my question is, how do these characteristics relate to administrators as well? So we often look at teachers, um, we look at teacher leaders, um, and, and by that I don't mean the role. I just learned that that's an actual role in some districts. I, we don't have those here. We don't have teacher leaders here. So when I say teacher leader, I just mean teachers who are taking a leadership like stance, not, not an actual role. So. Um, 
teacher leaders. And then, uh, so we talk about, about those kind of characteristics with them. But so my question for you guys is, how do those characteristics relate to administrators too? So, so in New Jersey, there, there actually is a certification program now that the state is working on for teacher leaders. Uh, so you can actually be a certified teacher leader uh, in the state and go back to your school district with that. Um, as far as an administrator goes, I, I think being a really good mentor for your entire staff along with being um, is, is probably the most important aspect of it because there, there's, you have to be courageous to, to, make, to make decisions um, that are going to affect a lot of people in your building. And I think to, to really understand um, you know, what your staff needs or what your students need, is you have to be involved. You have to mentor them. You have to get to know your staff and really get to know your students as well. Uh, so for me, it's uh, after the decision is made, we obviously have to be reflective uh, on what we did, what went right, what went wrong. Um, I think a lot of school districts in New Jersey can kind of attest to that from, from last week with the snowstorm, with, with, people getting, <laughs> with people getting caught in traffic for you know anywhere between five or 15 hours and, and having students have to sleep in schools. Um, but I think, again, it, a good leader stands in front of their staff and says, look, this is the decision I made. This is why I made it. Everybody backs that leader because they understand that the, the best interest of the students and the staff were at heart. And, um, you know, I, I think being courageous is also part of that, where you have to be the person who's going to step in front of the, of the board or the parents and say, look, I did the best I could with what I had. And, um, you know, I, this is why I did it. I, I, I take full ownership of it, but, I, but I'm really – uh, about my students and my staff, regardless of the outcome. And, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's working with my teachers every day. So I have to be, uh, really reflective after the end of the day and say, did we, did we accomplish what we wanted? Did my teachers have everything that they needed to, in order to be successful with their students? And, and I think that's a big, um, a big issue for me in the tech department is, you know, going in every day and say, how do we make this better for the teachers? How do we make this better for the students on an everyday basis? Absolutely. Thank you. I look at that list and I say, I want my kids. I want students in my class to graduate deeply reflective, voracious learners, tenacious, a mentor for the younger students in the grades and courageous. And I think if we would like our students to have those attributes, which I would, then we would like to see our teachers have those attributes and model them, then we certainly need our administrators to model those um, and, and possess those as well. And I'm gonna add on one thing to what you just said. <laughs> I was trying to be quiet, uh, but you reminded me, like when you, were, when you said that, there is a graphic that George had, I, I don't know if it was in an innovator's mindset, but it was like 21st century skills or essential skills of every educator. And I had done a presentation back in the spring and I was looking at it and I'm like, it's not confined to just the educator. Like these are things that our students need to have as well. And so when I look at the list and I think about those, those terms like a mentor and being courageous and tenacious, I mean, that, those are the things that we need to have as educators. And they're probably like Jen said, the things we need for our students as well. And so it makes sense that the administrators, we would want them to have those same characteristics because if not, and if they're not, you know, supporting us and they're not willing to try new things, it's going to be keeping things the same as they are always. And there's not going to be any growth that way. It's going to be stagnant and nobody's going to feel like they can take any risks or try anything different. And so I think it's important. Like if it's, if that's how we are, then everybody kind of needs to have that same thing. Like, I don't think today you look at education and there are roles, but I think at the same time, there's not roles. Like we're all learners. And I think we all need to be practicing and, and obtaining these different skills at a different pace, maybe, or in a different way, based on what our actual role defined position is in education. But I think they're all things that we need to to master, like we need students to become mentors. We need them to, to think about learning long-term, not just because they're getting a grade or getting points. Um, one of my students is writing something now for me and it's like amazing where she's just saying like, you know, I'm not a number, you know, and I, I, I've learned and I've practiced and I got bad grades, but I don't even care about the grade. Like, I just wanna know that I learned something. Like that means more to me and I wanna learn like, what's the next thing? And so I think it's important, like Jen said, you know, for us to model that and to be in a system where everybody's kind of like, I don't know, embodying that same thing, if that's the word that applies, I don't know. And I'm out. 
So one thing I have to add here is that <clears throat> you asked, how does this relate to administrators? To me, if they're the leaders, they're the ones that need to be that, all of them. They should be all of those pieces, period. And the reason why is because they are in the forefront. They should be the voracious learner, trying to figure out what's going on, seeing how things are. The, ten the tenacity should be there. They should see that. A mentor, someone you can come and talk to and courageous, hey, let's make this, let's see what's going to happen over here. Because, you know, uh, within reason, within the law, laws and policies and things like that, but they have to be out there on the forefront. Because when you have an administrator that is going to take the opportunity and the time to push and push and pull and say, let's do this together. I have no idea what's going to happen, but let's do it. You will start to develop a staff that's going to have the same type of mindset or the mindset, or they're going to be so uncomfortable. Says, you know what? You, you're just too crazy for me. I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. So in that, in that, is so so very important but more than likely if those that are saying you know what i'm out are going to be the ones that are hanging on so tightly to what they know or because they're so close to retirement that they don't want to change they're going to be the ones that leave and go somewhere else the ones that are going to say you know what this is awesome i can grow let me try this they're going to be the ones that are going to become much more divergent and innovative in whatever they do and I, I, I can speak from experience because I've had those leaders. They were all of those voracious and tenacious, but as far as mentors and courageous, because they took the time and said, well, you know what? I'm not quite sure if that's going to work, but go ahead. Let's see what happens. It, it checks all these boxes. So you're free to do it. So just providing the leeway and just having the understanding that I was different and that other teachers were different and we're going to try things is huge, definitely huge. So, um, but then also coming back and saying what you did was great. How can we incorporate this in other ways? So bringing it back to what's a bigger picture so we can involve other people as well as what can I change in myself? So again, also being deeply reflective, reflective about what they're seeing and about the entire culture and climate that's going on in their school. Yeah, I so a thousand percent of everything of what you guys said. Um, we need to see it from students to administration. Um, teachers are going to be more likely to be divergent if they see their administrate their administrators doing it. And oftentimes I hear uh, people say um, they look at the divergent teacher characteristics and they're like, well, that's just being a teacher. Um, but they're usually the divergent teachers who are saying that. And so if you look at some of the people around you, uh, you know, where do they fall in those characteristics? And I don't know if any of us have all of them. Um, you know, we're, we're all, there's always a piece that people are, are working towards. Like our, uh, our friend, um, one of our friends, Tisha Richmond on Twitter said, I think I need to work on my tenacity. And I said to her, like, I know how far you've come in the last few years. There's no way you're not tenacious, you know? And so, um, but we, we all have those areas that we could work on. I have never though heard anybody say, I have a divergent administrator. Now, whether that's because we don't look for diver divergence in administration or, or what that is, I'm not really sure, but I've never heard that. And so my goal is um, really to, you know, to start working on like, what does divergent leadership look like as well? Um, and to start thinking about that too. So, um, I, awesome. I think that, I think that that's it, Sarah, I think I'm, I'm handing it back over to you. All right, sweet. Well, thank you so much, Mandy. And thank you so much to all of our amazing panelists. Also shouts out to everyone who is participating with us on YouTube live or on Twitter. Um, the conversation tonight was fire. So loved hearing everyone's perspective and thoughts on this. Um, wanted to give a huge shout out to Mandy once again for launching Divergent EDU last week. So awesomeness that is now available on Amazon. So congrats, Mandy, for that. And uh, really looking forward to uh, great things to come. I know that tomorrow, uh, if I read correctly on Twitter, then Mandy will be guest moderating. Um, is it, uh, I'm sorry, is it formative chat, Rochelle? 
Okay, formative chat. So check that out. Going on tomorrow at 7.30 Eastern. All right, 7.30 Eastern. So for everyone watching live, definitely check that out. Check out Mandy's book on Amazon. Also wanted to um, remind y'all that next week, let me see, next week, I believe we are off, but uh, we will be back in two weeks from then. So we are off on December 2nd. Um, and we are also off on the 9th because we will be at ties. Mandy will be there as well. Yes. Anybody else on panel going to be at ties? All right. Jen. Jen? Yep. Yes. All right. So we're going to be doing a live edgy match there. So we may, we may be on Twitter. So just look out for that. Um, let me see, but we will be back on the 16th when we will be doing tweet and talk quotations on education featuring none other than the awesome Rochelle. Yes. Woo, we need sound effects. <laughs> so definitely come back um, on December 16th and possibly on the 9th. And we'll be off on the 2nd for um, Visti. So uh, looking forward to seeing all of our Visti friends on the 2nd and 3rd of December. So if you are watching live, um, I wanted to give a shout out to RJ League chat. I'll be moderating that tonight at 8 p.m. So definitely check that out. Also keep your eyes peeled for the Edumatch Black Friday slash uh, Small Business Saturday slash Cyber Monday sale going on now. So tomorrow's the last day to get $3 off uh, four great titles. So I will drop the link for that on Twitter or I'm sorry, the graphic for that on Twitter. So everybody have a fantastic week and thank you so much for joining us.